So next Sunday night is one of my favorite nights of the year, and it is the 96th Academy Awards. Are any of y'all big Academy Awards fans? Well, when the list comes out sometime in early the part of the year, Charlie and I try to make it through and watch you know, all of the, the big hits. And, and so I'll tell you, just I'm not gonna do any spoiler alerts, but you know, Oppenheimer is just, a, it's a beautiful storyline. It's way more than just about the development of the atomic bomb. Um, the, the next movie that I recommend is Maestro, which is about Leonard Bernstein. It has fabulous acting, and it's an original screenplay. But if there's one short film I want to encourage you all to watch, and you can watch it on Netflix, it's called The After. Anyone see it? I figured not. It is, it's, first of all, I love short films because it's not like you're having to like make a commitment. It's, it's done. This year, some of those long films, I was like, this is too much of a commitment. Okay, this is not. It's called The After. And it's this story. It's actually, it's a very tragic story, but it ends so beautiful. So it's about this, this man who witnesses the violent death, the violent murder of his daughter and his wife. That's at the very beginning. It's very small part. The whole rest of the movie is about what he does after. So he leaves his successful, high-profile job in corporate America and tries to do something that will allow him to just be numb and, and be mindless, something that he won't have to think anything about, and so he becomes an Uber driver. And as much as he is trying not to pay attention to what's said in the back seat. Scene after scene after scene, there is this stuff and he cannot help but lean in. And, and as he, these people are sharing about their life or talking on the phone or, or just staring out the window, he begins to, to start asking himself questions. You know, what is my purpose now? Who am I now in this after? Because everything has changed in, a, in, in the matter of seconds it changed. It's important for us to stop and take these moments of what is my purpose in this world? And who am I? And as followers of Christ, we, it is really, really important for us to do this, not just when crises happen. This isn't just for Ash Wednesday or for Monday, Thursday, but this is for any old day of the week to ask ourselves, what does my faith mean for my life? How does my faith affect, direct, shape my purpose and the way that I live in this world? To help us with that, we're going to see Jesus speaking to his disciples, not in a crazy time. There's not any imminent persecution going on. No one is in the midst of a trial. It's just an everyday conversation that Jesus has with his disciples in Caesarea Philippi. And as we prepare to hear that word, will you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, we thank you so much for the everyday moments and for moments like this when we, your people, can pause and consider how we fit in this world and what our faith says to it. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Hear now the word of our Lord from the book of Matthew. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, but others Elijah, 
and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he sternly ordered the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. This is the word of the Lord. Let's sit in silence for a minute and think about this passage. I've always wondered, when I look at this passage, I often think, why is, did Jesus ask this of his disciples? Was it so that Jesus wanted us to see himself as someone who cares about what other people think? Kind of showing a vulnerable side? Are we supposed to think that Jesus is concerned that maybe the disciples aren't getting it? And that this might affect, you know, these next weeks of his life? No. I think Jesus asks this question because he is teaching the importance of knowing what you believe as a follower of Christ. You need to own it. It's one of the reasons I love that in the Presbyterian Church we do this thing called confirmation. And our students are invited to, at, to really consider, you know, am I doing this just because my parents told me to? Am I doing this just because I was born into a Christian household? You know, what, what does my faith mean for me? When it is so important to make our faith translatable into words, to be able to state what it is that we believe. So I want you to look back at the specific question that Jesus asks the disciples. Who do you say that I am? Only Peter responds. It's not just asked of Peter. And what Jesus is doing is he is teaching them about their faith by asking a question. He asked them a question to begin to direct their way of thinking. Stop what you are considering, stop what you are doing and consider this. You have been following me like puppies. Who do you say that I am? If any of us had to say what we believed in one sentence about Jesus, what would that be? But before you answer that, let me ask it again in a different way. How have you experienced Jesus in your life? Teacher, friend, healer, rescuer, savior. I am someone who grew up with Jesus, or I guess you could say Jesus grew me up from those early moments in the dentist where they had that storybook Bible, to vacation Bible schools where I learned all the songs, my childhood Sunday school teacher, Mr. Little, who just kept showing up even though we all kind of gave him every reason not to. 
to retreats and mission trips, to young life camps and young life leaders, to finally figuring out I had to be comfortable with sitting quietly with just God and myself. And then to all of you who continue to impact and help me experience Jesus with the way that you all live out your faith. All of these things have happened to me and and your story, all of those things have happened to help you experience Jesus in your life in a real way. And here is the thing about Jesus. When we have those thin moments where we feel him, we feel him so clearly, we call them mountaintop moments. And I have to picture that that's where how Peter felt right here is he knew what to say. And in that moment, and y'all know what happens, you feel it within your body, and then somehow there's something that's inside that's just like, mm, this inner nudge. And a couple things happen. We, we, we know that it is not of us. We know that it is, is something mysterious and something spiritual, and then we feel like we have to tell other people about it. We have to tell them about this experience that we had with Jesus. Can you imagine the disciples, what they had been experiencing with Jesus all the while. And up to this point, at least in the gospel, excuse me, up to this point, at least in the gospel of Matthew, none of the disciples have said what they believe about him. They're just following. Now, now actions are amazing. And and by looking at their lives, it it is very clear that their actions are speaking loudly about their belief. They left their jobs and followed Jesus. And when Jesus tells them to go out two by two to heal people and to cast out demons, they go. But then there are these moments when there are priorities in life, like when faith isn't convenient or when they're physically hungry or when they're physically tired, when faith isn't resulting in a certain expectation that they had set. In moments like this, in moments like this for them and for us, the disciples forget, what is the purpose of the faith, of my faith in this world? And so when Jesus tells them, we're gonna feed all 5,000 of these people, they, they say, um, I don't know if there's enough food, even though they know they've, they've seen them walk on water. And when the Canaanite woman comes to Jesus and she is crying out over and over, heal my daughter, heal my daughter, the disciples say, please tell her to be quiet. And so when the disciples and Jesus finally have a moment to think, they're not getting persecuted, they are just arrived at this region in Caesarea Philippi. It is in that moment, he says, who do you say that I am? What is this? What is this following me thing really all about? And Jesus is teaching them and us in this moment the importance of owning our own faith, of being able to articulate it into words, to make it personal. The disciples, we too, we can just follow Jesus and there is no condemnation for that. That's beautiful and wonderful. But Jesus wants us and them to pay attention to what you believe. It matters what you believe. It matters for how you live your life. Because them, us, we have been chosen, entrusted, gifted, privileged 
to experience Jesus in such a way so that the world may know, so that we can share this story. Our experiences of Jesus, our personal understanding, our story is so important to pay attention to, to have at the ready to share. And we can't keep them to ourselves. Now I know some of you are thinking, there's, there is no way I can just go and start talking about Jesus at work or at school or in those friend groups that you know you never talk about certain things with. We can easily, this morning, we can come together and we can sing, praise the mount, I'm fixed upon it, of God's redeeming love because we're standing alongside with other people that believe like us. It feels safe here. But talking about faith with everyone, it, it can feel so insecure, at least it does to me. It can feel like, is this the time to enter it in? It's out of bounds, it's like politics, or how much money you make, or what your kid got on the SAT. And of course, unless they did really well, then you tell everybody. <laughs> and, we, and we feel so, such a lack of confidence about bringing this up, we don't wanna, we don't wanna become pushy. We don't want anybody to think we're, we're, we're putting judgment on them. And so we stick to safe topics. Like our family, well, only the good parts. And our children, but not too much about their children because then other people might think we're boasting. Okay, you're right. We stick to even safer topics, like where are the best French fries in Westlake? Hat Creek. What is the most entertaining thing to watch on TV right now? Houston basketball. Those are easy topics even in Austin. There have been so many times when I have been like Peter, oh my gosh, so compelled to state out loud who Jesus is. Not, not in a pushy or an awkward or a rude way, but through story. Every one of us has an experience, a story with Jesus. And author Diana Butler Bass, this is what she says in her book, Freeing Jesus. See, she says there is a way, maybe even the way that we can live together in this divided and diverse world. Learning from each other's stories. Even stories of Jesus. My story can never be your story. My story might inform yours and it might not. It might be like yours or it may be nothing like it. But if nothing else, sharing our stories might lead to greater understanding, tolerance, appreciation, and perhaps even appreciating the differences. Friends, statements of faith matter. Not just when you go through confirmation, not just when you get your baby baptized, not just when it, you are asked to make a public profession of faith. I want you to take some time right now and consider what is your experience of Jesus these days? In 1983, two Presbyterian denominations, the United Presbyterian Church and the Presbyterian Church USA, they made a decision to come together as one. And they were very different. They held to different standards and they had different priorities. 
But they decided in order to best move forward into this country, they would become what we are now part of called the Presbyterian Church USA. And, and there were people that felt very compelled that it was a Kairos moment to state while we do not agree on so many things, this is a Kairos moment for us to state this is what we believe. And so they go through the Trinity and they say, this is what we believe about God. This is what we believe about Jesus. And this is what we believe about the Spirit. And in that union, what is written, it was called the brief statement of faith. Because statements of faith matter. It is important. It might be religious or liturgical. Who do you say that I am? So now I would like to invite you to stand if you are able and let us profess together. Let us state our faith together using part of the brief statement of faith. Church, who do you say that I am? We trust in Jesus Christ, fully human, fully God. Jesus proclaimed the reign of God, preaching good news to the poor and release to the captives, teaching by word and deed and blessing the children, healing the sick and binding up the brokenhearted, eating with outcasts, forgiving sinners and calling all to repent and believe the gospel, unjustly condemned for blasphemy and sedition. Jesus was crucified suffering the depths of human pain and giving his life for the sins of the world. God raised this Jesus from the dead, vindicating his sinless life, breaking the power of sin and evil, delivering us from death to life eternal. Friends, this is a story, your story, that is worth sharing. May it be so in my life and in yours. Amen.